It's March 1st, 2024. Time for episode 261 of the Sports Wagon Podcast. It's your man, Uncle Dub. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. The Friday edition of the podcast. Feels good to record on a Friday. Um, now, if I had my druthers, I would have liked to have not recorded today and recorded last Friday. But since I didn't record last Friday... And I'm kind of in the time crunch because, of course, what's going to happen today? My kids got out of school early. <laughs> oh, of course. So don't think this is going to be a long show today. We're going to get through most of college basketball today. Going to talk a little college lacrosse. Let's start with NASCAR. So quick little blurb for the weekend. So or let's rewind back to last weekend. Last Sunday. So this blew my mind when I read this. That finish at Atlanta was the third closest in series history. What? The third closest? That's insane. Now, again, I didn't go back and do the research to figure out what was the second and the first, but my guess here is I'm willing to wager that they're probably that those two top finishes, closest finishes, are probably sometime in recent memory. It would be crazy if maybe the closest finish was probably back in the day where the technology wasn't the way it is. But kind of thinking about how crazy that finish was, how good their race was last week, is it going to get better this week? Is it going to can you know can NASCAR top themselves this week? And we'll find out. It's the Pennzoil 400. That'll be a Las Vegas Motor Speedway, 267 laps. The green flag will drop sometime after 3:30 on Fox. So, um, kind of looked at the points so far. I mean, it's only been what three races. So this be the what one two the third race of the season. So. After the Food City 500 at Bristol, so that'll be race five. We'll start kind of peeking in, looking at the points, uh, you know, driver standings, points, manufacturers' points. We'll kind of start looking at that sort of thing, kind of see who's in the playoffs moving forward. Although we know the playoffs aren't going to happen until till fall, so we got a long. I mean, the season's just started. We got a long season ahead of us. But we'll kind of start peeking at the points here and there, trying to figure out who's doing what, who's trending up, who's trending down to kind of at the start of the season here. Let's move over to college sports, specifically college lacrosse. So let's look at the top five for both men's and women's. We'll start with the ladies. Uh, Number one in the country in lacrosse, all 25 first place votes is Boston College, followed by second JMU, third Northwestern, fourth Syracuse, and fifth Notre Dame. On the men's side, the first place votes are split. Number one, Duke has 16 first-place votes. Virginia moves up this week to number two. They have nine first-place votes. And Maryland, number three, has one first-place vote. I think uh, of the last four national champions, I think the top three represents at least three of the last four national champions. Four is Denver. Five is Army. Let's look at the men's schedule to start. So we have a couple games that are not televised, at least according to my source. Number 19, Colorado visits number six, Michigan. Number nine, Maryland visits number 10, Denver televised we got lacrosse and breakfast number five actually i'm sorry this is the women's side let me back up so these are all women's games sorry number five notre name takes on number seven unc 11 a.m acc network two games on espn plus starting at noon number 21 yale visits number 20 princeton and number 25 penn state heads to number eight loyola of maryland 1 p.m acc network extra number 14 virginia heads to number 18 clemson 4 p.m. ESPN Plus, number 20, Richmond, heads to Annapolis to take on the 17th-ranked midshipman of Navy. On Sunday, one-ranked game, number 16, USC, takes on number 15, Johns Hopkins. Let's look at the men. Now, here's the men's side. Let's look at the men's side. So, on the men's side, tonight, we got ACC versus Ivy League. Number 17, Penn, visits number one, Duke, 6 p.m. ACC Network. Follow-up, same channel, 8 p.m., number 15, Princeton, at number 18, UNC. So the Ivy League teams will swap places on Sunday. Princeton visits Duke, noon ACC Network Extra. Same time, Penn visits North Carolina on same channel. Saturday, we've got one televised game. Number eight, Hopkins takes on number two, Virginia, in Charlottesville, 1 p.m. ACC Network. Network. The other games, excuse me, number 10, Yale, goes to number 12, Penn State. And number 13, Michigan, goes to number 19, Delaware. Sunday, we've got one other game outside of the ACC Ivy League games. Number three, Maryland, goes to number six, Notre Dame, to take on the defending national champs, noon ESPNU. Let's move over to college basketball. So Tuesday night, so we'll just recap the scores from, from the past week, and we'll start with Tuesday. BYU. So BYU, I believe this is their first full year in the Big 12 playing basketball, and they get a big win. They play, they went to Kansas, number seven Kansas, 
ended their 19-game home win streak, 76-68. Uh, BYU head coach Mark Pope got a technical. I mean, the game wasn't looking very good for BYU. Mark Pope gets a technical, and you know how sometimes it happens. A coach screams and hollers, stomps their feet, gets a technical, and that gets their team fired up. And sometimes coaches do that intentionally. They will get a technical just to get a rise out of their teams. Like, look, are you going to play this game or not? And I don't know what the situation was. I think Mark Pope was very upset with a lot of the calls. And so he took a technical and that game changed totally after that. BYU went on a run and they uh, knocked off uh, number seven, Kansas. Now, on the other side of it, Bill Self basically said that eh, we didn't play very well. He goes, no, no discredit to BYU. They played a very good game, but we played like trash. I mean, essentially, that's kind of what he said. That, that's kind of a paraphrase of what he said. All right, let's look at the schedule for Saturday for men's basketball. Uh, number 24, Florida at number 18, South Carolina, noon ESPN and SEC Network. South Carolina is doing really well. So Lamont Paris in his first season, he's got that team riding high. I really think he's probably going to be SEC Coach of the Year. Um, and his name's kind of circulating for a few of these open jobs. So we'll get to um, the hot seat or the, the coaching carousel. Hot seat is kind of... The way ESPN wrote this article, it wasn't very organized. They kind of were all over the place. They kind of gave you a nice long list, but it was kind of jumping back and forth. But we'll kind of talk about the coaching carousel. We'll call it the coaching carousel discussion in just a moment. 1 p.m. ABC, number seven, Kansas, number 15, Baylor. Um, I feel like either, I'm trying to think, college game day is probably either going to be in Columbia or Waco. Probably Waco because that's the 1 p.m. game. 2.30 Fox, number five Marquette at number 12 Creighton, 8 p.m. ESPN, number four Tennessee heads to Tuscaloosa to take on 14th ranked Alabama, and then 10 p.m. ESPN, ESPN Plus from the West Coast Conference, the last game between these two bitter rivals, number 23 Gonzaga takes on the Gales of St. Mary's ranked 17th. So these teams met roughly about a month ago. St. Mary's won that game 64-62. So when Gonzaga and St. Mary's get together, it's always some fistic cuffs. I mean, not fighting but I mean they go at it you saw as I just said 64-62 it's always a close game well let me back up when these two teams meet it's either close or blowout most of the time they play tight even when Gonzaga is highly ranked St. Mary's always gives them a run for their money so these two bitter rivals meet one last time uh, in uh, Cali uh, at the home of the Gales all right let's get over to coaching news for a second I forgot to mention this on the last show so Wednesday, Old Dominion University head coach Jeff Jones announced his retirement. So if you recall, uh, Coach Jones suffered a heart attack early in the season while the team was on the road. So he had been uh, he took the rest of the season off to recuperate. So in making the announcement, in so many words, he basically said, look, he's at peace with his decision. And you know what, man, Jeff Jones, he, he I, shout out to him man. Coach Jones uh, has done such great work. You know, UVA grad. Coach, head coach of UVA, head coach of American, took the ODU job. Um, you know he's been in the game for a minute. Um, ODU hasn't really had a great season this year, so the thought was that you know, from my understanding, that ODU had a really stellar group of guys coming the next season. So it was just kind of the whole let's just get through the season, and we got a brand new crop of good guys coming next year to kind of revitalize this program. And they're, you know, hoping that Coach Jones will be back. But apparently uh, now jo Jeff Jones basically said, you know, it's time. And it's crazy, man, how um, I guess the saying goes, you know, sometimes when we're doing things, whether we're working or we're, you know, we're pushing day to day. Um, sometimes what's the saying is either you sit down or something else will tell you to sit down. And it's unfortunate you know, that, you you know, he had the heart attack. I mean, that was scary. I mean, I mean, for a while it was looking scary, but, you know, he recovered he and he was recuperating. But, um, you know, in some cases that's a sign. And, uh, you know, I, I wish Coach Jones, a, you know, all the best in his retirement. I know he's going to, you know, have plenty to do. Um, you know, I know he has, he does a lot of work with a lot of charitable organizations and, and, and other things. I'm sure he has other interests, but, I mean, you know, just a shout out to him and, and all the all the best to him. Now, yesterday, ODU hired his replacement, former player and Maryland assistant coach Mike Jones. And I remember 
being I was I was at ODU when Mike Jones was playing. I think he was in a couple of my classes, but really good guy. Um, folks have been talking about him as a head coach for a long time, and I think this is a really great opportunity. Um, and I think his presser will start uh, in about half an hour from now. So I got it kind of on the screen in front of me. I might try to watch it. So I'll kind of talk more about that a little bit later. But again, um, it looks like a you know a, a end of an era, but the start of something new and great. And Mike Jones is part of some NCAA teams uh, and a lot of good guys in those teams. And some of those guys, again, I was in some classes with them, but those, man, those guys are some ballers. And I think uh, with Mike Jones, I feel like the the return is back. I think ODU can kind of get back to you know having you know some success and get back to the NCAA tournament. So we'll kind of uh, report back about the presser a little bit later. All right, let's look at the coaching carousel. So uh, we mentioned last show that the Ohio State job is open. So right now, um, there's and I mentioned a few names that would probably come up with that job. Um, so let's go to West Virginia. Um, so currently they are under interim coach Josh Eilert. So we know Bob Huggins got let go and, you know, you know, you, you remember the situation. We're not going to rehash it, but you know, there are a lot of people who were like, well, Huggins did these things and nothing's going to happen. And, you know, I guess enough was enough, but, um, right now the team is bottom of the big 12. So there's a good chance that Josh Eilert is not getting promoted. So A.D. Ren Baker is kind of in a weird position. So first and foremost, the search for the permanent head coach has been ongoing since Bob Huggins was let go. So again, couldn't hire anybody right at that moment because of when Huggins was let go. So he said promotes Eilert. And of course, you know, when you have an interim situation, in many cases, sometimes these interim coaches do such a good job that they get promoted. We've seen that and we've reported that here on this program. But a um, couple names to consider. There's a long list of names, but two big names to consider. Um, JMU's head coach, Mark Byington. A lot of people are saying he potentially could be a candidate. Also, uh, Florida Atlantic's Dusty May. So Dusty May is kind of in a weird position because, remember, FAU went to the Final Four last year. And now... You know, having a decent season, but a lot of people are feeling like eh, it's not kind of the same. And I'm thinking, but why would you expect it to be the same? I mean, the talent's there. Not everyone repeats going back to the final four. But at the same time, too, um, you know, he could be looking for greener pastures. Think about it. If FAU makes a deep run in the tournament and they bow out again, maybe it's not the final four, but he's shown that he has. Uh, coached at a high level at a mid-major and can step up into a power five job. The other piece to this is Ren Baker. So per the, the articles I've been reading, he's he's one of the people that are being considered, at least on lists, as a potential replacement at Missouri. So what's crazy here is Ren Baker may be around long enough to pick the next head coach and roll out, or he may not. Or he may roll out and then someone else has to do it. So West Virginia is kind of in a weird position as far as uh, their open uh, college basketball coach, head basketball coach on the men's side position. Football actually took care of itself because, you know, I believe what I believe Neil Brown is still there. They, you know, he, they had a decent season because it wasn't looking good for them. And also remember, West Virginia is very cash strapped as well. So their aid, their athletic department's having some financial issues. Um, DePaul. So DePaul basketball, for if you know, you know, they were, you know, something else in the 80s and in the early 90s. So they haven't really been good in a very long time. So their athletic director, Dwayne Peavy, let Tony Stubblefield go in late January. So right now they have talked with former Ohio State head coach Chris Holtzman. There have been some conversations, but the top name on the list is Bobby Hurley. So... It's again, what's going to happen with Arizona State? Either Bobby Hurley's going to roll out, take another job, or they're going to let him go. Now, at the same time, too, Ray Anderson's gone. So his boss, A.D. Ray Anderson's out the door. He, he's he gone. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens at Arizona State. Um, a lot of people uh, are thinking Bobby Hurley's going to be looking for a new job regardless. Either 
Um, and, and I think, again, the season started out pretty good, and they're not doing that great. They got beat up last night by Arizona in the Territorial Cup, the basketball version. So, um, and, and of course, the fit was always a little strange because, again, you know, here's an East Coast guy. He goes out West. You know, DePaul might be a little bit more of a better fit. Remember, he went to Duke. So, again, he can take that model, that Coach K model, and potentially bring it to DePaul. So, remember, DePaul. So, again, kids, go watch the YouTubes. DePaul was a power at one time. They had some great players, and it's possible. Now, the other issue with DePaul, and I think I've talked about this, is their uh, arena situation. So, again, if you build it, they come. Now, my whole thing is, I'm trying to remember, it's from DePaul's campus to where they play basketball is a good 45-minute trip or something to that regard. It's not a short trip. So if the team's terrible, no one's leaving the city to go out to the suburbs to watch DePaul play basketball. Okay, fine. I think they talked about building an arena, but that's going to be hard to do considering DePaul's in, a, you know, in the city, they're landlocked. I don't think they have a lot of space, so that's always an issue, and a lot of universities have that issue. Um, they managed, Some places managed to work their way around it, but I, I don't think it's happening. I mean, unless it does, well, if it happens, it happens. But if Bobby Hurley takes that job, then he goes and does the recruiting and brings in the guys, then, like I said, if you build it, they will come. So we'll see how that goes, but DePaul's looking for a head coach. Louisville, um, their AD, I talked about Louisville, Louisville a little bit on the, in the last show, but um, and this is the article I was trying to find to talk about it more. But the AD said at that particular time that Kenny Payne's good to the end of the season. So the end of the season's coming. And as we said, the money situation is what's going to tie Louisville up. Because, again, uh, was it uh, Chris, uh, what's his face, uh, the f- former coach, he's still drawing a check. They have to pay out Kenny Payne's uh, buyout. And for the job, there's like a Chris Mack. And there's a long list of names. So I'm not even going to get to the long list of names. But right now, he's good until he's not good. And the fan base is obviously disappointed. Uh, Two years, and they're looking probably about as bad, if not worse, than they did last season. Um, The KFC Yum Center is not to capacity. And we talked about, you know, the concessions are closed. and and, 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 of course, the city the the downtown area around them isn't bustling because no one's coming to game so you know what and i read this article in the what the courier journal the louisville courier courier journal but basically said look this isn't really about this is about coaching this is about basketball but it's a money issue if no one's coming to see louisville basketball that means everyone downtown suffers so uh we'll see how it goes but i i feel like that Louisville's probably going to have to pull the trigger on this because, and, and it's sad to say it because the Kenny Payne hire was was at the time a good hire, felt like a good hire. It's just I, I don't know what it is. It's like the, he's got talent, but it feels like either there's a disconnect between the coach and the players. And I think there was a couple of uh, press conferences, post game press conferences, where it seemed like. There's a, you know, talk to the players, talk to the coaches, feel like there's just a disconnect. It's just not working. So, uh, and it's unfortunate because, you know, when you hire an alum, you hope that it goes well. You think it should go well, but it it just hasn't. Washington. So we forgot about Washington. Um, Mike Hopkins, if you recall, um, he left Syracuse to take that job, I think in 2017, somewhere around there. And at that time, he was supposed to be Beheim's successor. And we know what happened. Beheim waited. Beheim coached like six, seven more years and then decided to resign, uh, retire last year. So in the years he's been at Washington, they've only been to the NCAA one time. Since their NCAA trip in Pac-12 play, Washington is 34 and 59. Now, the thing that is kind of benefiting Washington, so they just hired a new head coach, so they're uh, for football. So their brand new AD comes in the door, has to hire a brand new football coach, gets Jet Fish in there. Now, Hopkins's buyout has dropped significantly, $3 million for 
an athletic department with the funds, that's nothing. So Hopkins is probably on his way out the door. So keep this name in mind for Washington. Nico Medved at, at Colorado State is potentially a uh, a successor at Washington. Stanford, who boy. So Jared Haas got another year last year from A.D. Bernard Muir. And again, the team is below 500. So I think Jared Haas is out the door because the, the, the thought was that they were going to get better. So Muir looked at it. They made some significant progress last year. Plus, they got some really good uh, commitments from high school players. So they brought in some high school talent that's really good. They got in some decent transfers. And even the year before that, they got some significant transfers and still can't compete in the Pac-12. So Jared Haas is probably on his way out the door at Stanford. Uh, one name that popped up for his potential replacement is Mitch Henderson from Princeton. Um, Michigan. Ward Manuel has basically said he has not considered making any changes. So for now, um, Jawan Howard's safe for now. But if he were to make the change, because I think people are saying that the 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 nervousness or the the I don't know about this is, you know, Jawan Howard's a program legend. He comes back to coach the team. This year, they're having an abysmal year. I mean, they lost talent. I mean, Hunter Dickinson rolled out and went to Kansas. So, again, I'm going, oh, boy, here's the effect of NIL again. So if he were to make the change, because this is one of those things where I'm thinking, okay, he missed some time because he had, I think he had a, what, a heart procedure. You know, I think, I think, this is just me thinking out loud. I think Jawan Howard gets another year. That's just my thought. But if he were to get let go, buy out a small, $3 million, so they can take that CFP championship money, pay Juwan Howard his money, and keep it moving. Um, Indiana. Now, right now, the fan base is unhappy. They This is a situation where Mike Woodson's on the hot seat. There's no, right now, outward conversations about letting him go. Um, but... The issue is money, as usual. Isn't always isn't money always the issue? His buyout is about thirteen million. So one suggestion was either they let him go, pay him the money, or there's a mutual parting of the ways. Um, Woodson has been to the NCAA's, so he's taken Indiana to the NCAA's twice. Um, I, they didn't really make any deep runs. Nothing, you know, no deep runs there. Um, but Here's the name to consider. We just mentioned Dusty May potentially going to West Virginia. Dusty May is an Indiana alum. Dusty May, I believe, was a manager for Bob Knight. So if there's any, you know, potential for a new head coach at Indiana, Dusty May might be the top target. I feel like Dusty May, when and if, when their season ends, if Indiana makes a move, Dusty May is going to be the guy. Um, off the hot seat for now, the mayor, Fred Horberg. So Fred Horberg got another year at Nebraska and he made the most of it. Nebraska looks like they're going dancing for the first time in his tenure. So now for the mayor, what's he got to do? He's got to keep it going. I mean, little Fred Horberg has had some success. He is a good coach. Now, again, how I, I guess it's just playing in the big 10, trying to get guys to come to, Nebraska, I, I can I can kind of see how that can be uh, you know, a little bit difficult. All right, so let's go over to oh, so you know we're gonna go over to uh, the men's seed reveal. So um, I wanted to do this and I forgot about it. And about two weeks ago, they released I believe this is the last seed reveal on the men's side. So let's go through these. Your number one seeds: Purdue, UConn, Houston, and Arizona. Your two seeds, North Carolina, Tennessee, Marquette, and Kansas. Your three seeds, Alabama, Baylor, Iowa State, and Duke. And your four seeds are Auburn, San Diego State, Illinois, and Wisconsin. So look at the one seeds, Houston. Nobody wants a piece of Houston right now. Houston is playing really good basketball right now. I think of the four one seeds, Houston's the scariest right now. Um, 
it's hard for me to pick a one seed that I think would be the most vulnerable. These are all, if you look at all four of these teams, they all have very significant pros. Got cons, obviously, but I mean, this thing could be chalk. I mean, now again, on paper, it could be chalk. Now, when we play the games, you know, you remember Purdue. I think I had, did I have Purdue in the Final Four last year? I don't remember, but a team that definitely should have been in the Final Four, but they got upset. Uh, I think was second round, second, third round. Um, if I had to pick, I'm looking at Arizona, but I don't even feel good about picking them because, you know, Arizona, I mean, they're they're still a pretty dangerous team. Um, but of the four and one seeds, Houston, man, Houston, I think right now is right now is my prohibitive choice to win this thing because don't know if I want them. And again, the thing about Houston They've been consistently good for at least a good five or six years. I mean, just really good talent. Defensively, they are menaces on defense. And when they hit transition, forget it. It's just, it's, 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 it's like run and gun. They get at you. So, and and this is kind of to what Kelvin Sampson is very underrated as a head coach, in my opinion. He's very underrated. I don't think he gets enough love uh, as a head coach. Um, of the two seeds. I'm going to go Carolina. Uh, Carolina is good, but they're beatable. Um, I feel like Carolina has lost some ACC games this year. They shouldn't have lost. Um, They were in, they were what, dominating Virginia last Saturday. Virginia actually started to figure out how to shoot the basketball. I mean, Virginia couldn't throw the ball in the ocean last weekend. And they had to squeak it out in Charlottesville. So that's the first time they won in Charlottesville in like 10 years. So, yeah, so if I had to choose, if I had my druthers, I would say UNC is going to be the most vulnerable two seed. Of the three seeds, again, Alabama, Baylor, Iowa State, Duke. Iowa State and Baylor have been through that Big 12 grind, especially Iowa State. Iowa State, I think, is kind of sneaky good. Uh, was it TJ Osselberger as their head coach? I would have to say Duke because, again, Duke's another team that, They've lost some games they shouldn't have lost, and I think that might hurt them in the tournament. But again, Carolina and Duke are both, as we know, teams that when March comes, don't count them out. But I kind of feel like those are your two, uh, UNC's your vulnerable two seeds, Duke's your vulnerable three seed. The four seed is very tough to call. I'm looking at Illinois and Wisconsin. Both teams have been very up and down. If I had to choose one, I would probably choose Wisconsin because um, Wisconsin – for what I've seen, they can go from blowing you out to getting blown out. Like it's kind of there, there's not a lot of in between. Illinois has been up and down, but I think there's a little bit more consistency with them. So I don't know. I, I would have to pick Wisconsin, but again, you know, uh, Auburn is the number one, the the top four seed. I cannot, uh, I can't ever count out Bruce Pearl. I mean, if Auburn got back to the Final Four. I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad I wouldn't be surprised but again Bruce Pearl uh, when he when he's coaching a team you 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 know what you're gonna get with them they're gonna get at you uh, bottom line all right let's move over to women's college basketball so let's look at the ladies so we're gonna do a seed reveal for them in a moment let's look at the scores from the week from Tuesday night Oklahoma State over number twenty four West Virginia sixty eight sixty one. Wednesday night, number 20, Oklahoma took down number three, Texas, 71-70. That was a barn burner, very close game, and they did it at home. Iowa State took down number 15, Kansas State, 82-76. Um, here's a game that had more significance. It's a Caitlin Clark update. Number six, Iowa over Minnesota, 108-60. Caitlin Clark had 33 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists. So this is her 17th career triple-double, and with the 33 points, she passed Lynette Woodard, as the all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball. Um, in her post-game comments, uh, Lisa Bluter, Iowa head coach, basically said that, you know, she also echoed the sentiments that I talked about in the last show of Val Whiting. Hey, NCAA, won't you start recognizing all these old, these AIAW records? I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, what is the problem? Like, why aren't those records being taking over and saying these go in the record books as official NCAA records. Hey, NCAA, get your act together. Let's make this happen. So let's look at briefly Iowa, where they stand. At best, 
Iowa would be a number two seed in the Big Ten tournament. So they got to beat Ohio State on Sunday. They have the tiebreaker over Indiana. So they're going to be the two seed. And I believe uh, Ohio State would be the one seed uh, in the Big Ten tournament. And the ladies tournament start next week. So, yeah, I mean, regular season for the ladies ends this weekend. Tournament start next week. So moving into probably like Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, ACC Big Ten. The first rounds will start. So going to be interesting week next week as the ladies will start their tournaments, crown their conference champions, and then they'll wait a couple weeks until Selection Sunday. Um, also, Caitlin Clark announced on social media that she will enter the WNBA draft. So as we know, more than likely, she will be the number one pick of Indiana. So that clears that up. And really, it makes sense. What else you got to stick around for? Sure, you got a fifth, you get a fifth year. Um You've already broken all these records. She still needs about 70 points to pass Pete Maravich, which that ain't going to happen. So 50, 57 points, something like that. She, she needs uh, a shit ton of points <laughs> to pass uh, Pete Maravich. But I, I don't see that happening unless Ohio State just doesn't show up on Sunday. But, I mean, they're, they're going to show up. It's going to be a good game. So we'll talk about that game in a minute. Last night. Number 17, Notre Dame at home takes down number five, Virginia Tech, 71 to 58. So Virginia Tech loses, but they won a championship. So they get their first ACC regular season title. Um, Man, Notre Dame used that transition game. So they basically boat raced Virginia Tech. They went on these massive runs, and that made the difference in the game. Hannah Hidalgo, haven't mentioned her in a while. 23 points, 12 rebounds. Sounds like a Hannah Hidalgo-type night. But Hannah Hidalgo broke the ACC freshman scoring record. Shocker, right? (laughs) I mean, she is just amazing. Listen to this. She has been the ACC freshman of the week 12 times, and she's been the ACC player of the week, the conference player of the week twice. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to Hannah Hidalgo, ACC freshman of the year. Duh. Okay. Um, there's some amazing freshmen in the ACC. Now, her and Kamora Johnson are the only two freshmen who won the ACC freshman year more than once. Just saying. So, but nevertheless, I think she runs away with freshman of the year without question. And I say it for her again. Please, she needs to be on the All-American team close quote in the sentence period um last night also number seven usc needed two overtimes to win at arizona 95 93 arizona had them dead to rights usc comes back puts in the overtime the last second three at the end of the game clangs off the back of the rim and usc escapes with a two-point win i mean a lot of fight in this arizona team considering they only have seven players they've got a lot of fight and it's going to be interesting to see how Arizona, you know, kind of plays uh, the rest of the season. I think their season might be over. That last night, that might have been senior night. I don't see them on the schedule. I didn't see them on the schedule. But as we know, Pac-12 tournament will start next week as well. I think there's going to be in Las Vegas. All right, so let's look at the schedule. So no top 25 games tonight or Saturday. We move over to Sunday, the last Sunday of the regular season. Sundays for the ladies. Number 22, Louisville, heads to Purcell Pavilion to take on 17th-ranked Notre Dame, 2 p.m. ESPN. Over on Fox, this is the 1 o'clock game. As we mentioned, number 2, Ohio State, at number 6, Iowa. Let's go to the seed reveal for the ladies. So, your top seeds, South Carolina, Ohio State, Stanford, and UCLA. So, UCLA bumps up and replace Colorado. Your two seeds, Virginia Tech creeps into the two line, so they're the top two seeds. So Virginia Tech, depending on how they play over the next, I mean, they got Virginia on the road on Sunday. Again, love my ladies, but unless y'all come with a with a with a Louisville esque, they need a Louisville, Florida State esque performance at home to knock off Virginia Tech. But Virginia Tech is within arm's reach of getting another number one seed for the second straight year. Texas, Iowa, uh, Iowa is in the two line, and USC bumps up to the two line. The three line, LSU bumps up, UConn, NC State drops, Oregon State is in the three line. The four line, Colorado drops from one to four, 
Indiana, Gonzaga, and Oklahoma both move into the four line. So with Louisville's loss on Sunday to Virginia, they drop out of the top 16 as we discussed. Kansas State, they've been on a they've been on a losing streak, losing skid, so they are out of the top 16. So again, they're going to be at least uh 12 probably mm, wow. Damn, that's 12 4 4 16. Wow, they're going to be wow, they're going to be somewhere yeah, they're going to be Somewhere in in the mix there, I mean, they're definitely going to get a decent seed, but they're not going to be in the top 16, at least for right now. So for UCLA, uh, the return of Lauren Betts has made a big difference. And I don't know, I went down a recruiting rabbit hole last week, and Lauren Betts has a sister. Maybe most of you do that, but I didn't. But I think Lauren Betts is, what, 6'5", her sister's like 6'3". She's going to UCLA next year. That's, man, whew. I don't even think about it right now. I mean, right now, UCLA is in the catbird seat. They are in the catbird seat as one seed, could get to a Final Four. But could you imagine? I mean, they're going to lose some players this year, but having Lauren Betts and her sister play for UCLA, man, it's about to get it's about to get scary out here in the Big Ten for real. Um, so looking at the one seeds, again, of these one seeds, again, if these held right now, I mean, South Carolina's obviously the team that everyone's chasing. Ohio State, they've just got better and better and better as the season gone on. Stanford has just been steady. I mean, I don't know. This this is the same situation like with the men. I cannot pick one of these teams that looks super vulnerable to me. Maybe Stanford. Maybe Stanford. Um, Or UCLA. One of those two teams. Because, again... You know, yeah, it's 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 really hard to call. Like I said, in the last seed reveal, I felt there was that one one seed that wasn't not not strong, but wasn't you know the the strongest. Obviously, they rank them from highest to lowest. But I don't know right now. Maybe Stanford. Stanford might be the vulnerable one seed of these four teams. On the two line, it's definitely Iowa, and I've talked about just their scoring balance. Again, if you Send your defense at Caitlin Clark. You push off her spots. You don't allow her open looks. You get her coming off those screens. You slow down their transition game. You make her pass the ball. You, you got to force the rest of the team to score. So if they get balanced scoring from the other starters, they get some 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 uh, scoring off the bench. She scores twenty points. They win. If she scores thirty five points, no one else scores above ten points. They lose. So I think Iowa's the most vulnerable of the two seeds. The three seeds. Ooh, LSU is really looking good. State's been up and down, but I, I ain't counting State out because, again, when they're hot, they're hot. They can shoot. They got a good inside game. I, I'm going to say UConn again. I'm going to say UConn. Uh, Oregon State, I think, between Oregon, Utah, Oregon State and UConn, but I'm going to go UConn. Of the four seeds, haven't really seen Gonzaga play this year. Colorado's down, but I don't think they're out. Colorado, I think, is, I think has the opportunity, depending on how everyone above them play. Colorado could bump up a line to a three. Um, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, to me, early in the season, I thought they were a very beatable team. So Virginia played them non-conference, and honestly, I think they should have won that game. I think in that game they shot very poorly wasn't taking care of the basketball. So, again, Oklahoma, I think they are – they're beatable. Um, don't know about Gonzaga. I can't really speak too much of them. So, if I had to choose, I would probably choose Oklahoma as the most vulnerable four seed of that group. All right, so the selection show for the ladies. So, that's the last seed reveal for the ladies. The selection show will be 8 p.m. on March – on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. So, hey, we'll all have a – we'll have a pint – and we'll watch the seat, the selection show occur at that point. All right, let's get to, I think that's everything. Let's get to dubs and L's, and we'll get out of here for a Friday. So as I mentioned, you know, short show, not a whole lot going on as we get to the end of the college basketball season, but we'll have plenty to talk about uh, next week as we get into the ladies. Uh, we'll talk about the seedings for the tournament and how this thing will look, and we'll get all that going as the women get into their conference tournaments. Uh, oh, CIAA started this week in Baltimore, so I'm going to 
uh, see what's going on there. We'll kind of report back on CIAA uh, on next week's show, um, whenever that's going to (laughs) be. I tell you, man, working is working's for suckers. Let me tell you. All right, um, dubs and nails for this week. Uh, let's go to the dub. So the dub. So this is you know, a couple weeks ago. Um, I may have talked about this, but we'll we'll give a dub here. Brittany Griner got her Baylor jersey retired finally. Um, it was a big uh, two or three days for her. She came to came to campus, spent time with the team, practiced with the team, did a lot of interviews. But um, you know, again, I got to give. Uh, some shout outs to uh, A.D. Mac Rhodes and um, head coach Nikki Collin, especially head coach Nikki Collin. I mean, again, I really am so, um, I don't say impressed. I, I just really feel like everything she did and talking about, you know, her, her, her feelings about Brittany Griner, the impact she had on not just the WNBA, but on, Baylor's program as her head coach's successor and saying way more than her head coach uh, about her detainment in Russia, I think to me spoke volumes about her, her character, her as a person. And, you know, they just really had an amazing time. And, and, you know, you could just see the joy that they all felt, you know, and I think, um, uh, was it, um, they think they had, I think they had their best. I think Coach Collin told them in the huddle out of the game that that was their best defensive performance of the entire season. And Brittany Griner's in the house to witness it. I mean, amazing stuff. And, uh, you know, again, long overdue. I mean, if you lead a team to a 40 0 season winning national title, your jersey should have been t- retired a long time ago. So I've heard the myriad of reasons why it didn't happen. I don't really know. It doesn't really matter at this point. It's done, but it should have been done. And it's shameful that it didn't happen. But if it were due to the powers that be or the powers that were, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's shameful that it didn't happen at the time, but I'm glad it finally happened, you know, better late than never. So um, shout out to uh, Baylor for doing that. And, you know, just kind of, you know, watching the videos on Instagram, it was just really, really beautiful to see. Um, Let's see. This is this one's kind of a dub NL. (laughs) So apparently Stephen A. Smith had a lot of stuff to say about Zion Williamson and the Pelicans on their social media. So on their Twitter account, I don't know if they have I'm sure they have an Instagram account, but I don't follow it. But I saw this on Twitter and I. Twitter. Okay. You know how I feel about this. It's Twitter. You know, apartheid Clyde ain't ain't getting me to say that letter. Okay. Let's just keep it straight. Anyway. um, (laughs) So their social media manager or their social media people team put together a clip of essentially what I like to call Stephen A. Smith fails (laughs) and they trolled it with it. And Oh my goodness, man. I, I can see these clips in my mind and they're just absolutely freaking hilarious. I'm just like, come on, man. How are you going to be this loud and wrong? And then and then he he responded to the trolling. And I saw the video come up on my timeline and I and I started to watch it. I'm going, okay. First of all, you went on for 13 minutes. First of all, dude, you really needed 13 minutes to respond to this. And I saw some of the, you know, the comments in response of people going, yeah, you're saying that you don't, you're saying that you're not bothered by it, but you spent 13 minutes telling us that you're bothered by it. (laughs) Sounds like I didn't even watch it. It's like, this is too long. If you had a two minute response, Stephen A. Smith, fine, whatever. I ain't watching 13 minutes of you pontificate about whatever and this, that, and the third, because I'm sure there's going to be some explanation about, well, my college stats, who cares? Okay. Your former college athlete, be thankful for that. Okay. No one cares about your stats. You, you, you know, you went through that whole thing with Whitlock and, you know, we're not rehashing that. No one cares. The stats are the stats, you know, it's whatever. Some people have worse stats if that's possible. Um, but the power of social media, man. I mean, they, these social media managers for these sports teams are so good. Um, 
man, I was a marketing major, a marketing minor in college. And Jesus, had I known sports media was going to look like this, I should have just gone into marketing, you know. <laughs> but hey, you know, you just can't just can't predict the future, right? Um, also, the Phoenix Mercury honored their social media manager, speaking of Brittany Griner for a few minutes ago, about their about her posting continuously and getting the messaging out about, you know, when Brittany Griner was detained and just kind of keeping the positive messages out there. You know, here are the things you can do to, you know, help free her. And they finally they I saw a post on Twitter where they honored her and said, you know, thank you for her work. Uh, in doing that. And really, that's it feels like I mean, I'm hoping when I saw it, I'm thinking it was recent, but it seems like it's a little bit late. But again, better late than never. Um, so kind of going back to Stephen A. Smith for a second. Um, that trolling kind of says a lot about where we are from the standpoint of these daytime sports talk shows. And my whole thing is, I feel like it almost feels like you're hiring good guys and bad guys. You get the former athletes who, you know, I want to get up here and talk about the guys I used to play with or the guys who are in my position now. And I want to, I want to, you know, be in their corner. And then you get maybe an athlete who has to be the bad guy. You get the sports journalist who's on the side of the athlete. And then you have to get the bad guy. And it's really just this back and forth debating all these inane topics to see who can have the most viral sports clip. Now, my whole thing is if you like watching it, cool. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not criticizing. I mean, it's there. People watch it, but I feel like there are much better topics and much, much more important topics we could be talking about because we don't talk about, and of course this is probably because of the money, you know, ESPN, has money and everything, everything sports related, every, you know, all your major sports leagues, they have money invested in. So I guess you can't really talk about the thing that you're most invested in. But, you know, you know, you've got sports leagues that are, you know, constantly censoring their players. You know, players can't be open about their thoughts about progressive topics, because let's face it, if someone comes through and they have a conservative point of view, but it's a trashy conservative point of view, then they're going to get defended to the hill because the person's going to say it, and then if they get called on it, they may or may not walk it back, or they'll put it out there and double down, but then they'll cry, I'm being censored. No one wants to hear my point of view. Well, let's just say this. No one wants to hear your point of view if it's racist as hell. No one wants to hear your point of view if it's sexist as hell. No one wants to hear your point of view if it's, you know, if it's anti, just anti-human. And that's a lot of these talking points. So instead of being an anti-humanist, why don't you try to be more of a pro-humanist? You know what I'm saying? But... Nevertheless, these are the topics that we need to be talking about. We need to be talking about these topics where we are trying to improve upon how people express their thinking about the topics of the day. Because if you're in sports, you have a platform. Some people use their platform for positive things. Others, not so much. But those who are using their platform for positive, they are usually the ones who usually get railed against simply because it's not the popular thing to talk about. Or, you know, people don't want to hear that because we're in such a politically divided climate that if you want the good for somebody, somebody doesn't want that. They would rather be the opposite of that. So that, but again, you know, sports talk is sports talk. I mean, I guess it's, gone through a lot of evolution and a lot of, you know, and, and it's devolved. It's evolved and devolved. So I don't know. Um, but that is kind of the outcome of it when it goes the wrong way. So when so when keeping it real goes wrong, the, the, the Pelicans thought that they should go ahead and kind of right the wrong, if you will. So um, if you haven't seen your video, it's got to be out there somewhere. Go look for it. But it's absolutely freaking hilarious. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to get out of here. The ODU press conference for Mike Jones has started. I'm going to try to catch a little bit of that while I'm doing a couple things here at the desk. But thank you for listening. Appreciate you, as always. Enjoy the weekend. A little bit of sports, not a whole lot, but a little bit. But, again, spring is coming. we got more things coming uh, down the pike. Um, Of course, we're going to be excited for Selection Sunday and the NCAA tournament and all that good stuff. So until we get to next week where we pick back up and talk more about what's happening, um, please continue to uh, you know share the podcast, subscribe, give me a five-star rating if you can, um, email the show, emails in the show notes, questions, comments, concerns, um, hit me up on Instagram and Twitter, follow me, uh, it's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, I, okay, it's the first time I'm going to do this, but I also have a, a separate um, Instagram page for the podcast, so Sports Wagon Podcast. So I have the hashtag out there on Instagram, but I have a Sports Wagon Podcast page on Instagram. Follow that. I just post all the episode stuff there. Um, I'm going to try to put more content there, but again, who has the time? I barely have time to record, but we'll make it happen. But interact with me on one or both of those pages. And as I always end, make sure you continue to protect yourself, stay healthy. COVID vaccine, flu vaccine, and also remember to drink your water and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sports wagon pod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.